we are doing our first experimental processing of sapelo grown indigo. From a green plant to a blue dye, all natural. When I say indigo, what color do you think of? Not sure? Well, what if I were to say blue jeans? Now what color do you picture? Can you see that bluish color in your mind? Well, in this episode, we're going to learn how exactly a green plant turns into the bluish purple color used to dye denim and how that plant is helping to revive a small island community off the Georgia coast. I came from the mud, dirt on my hands, strong like a tree, there's roots where I stand. I'm David Zelsky, and this is the Fork in the Road podcast. Featuring the stories of Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. This is the second episode in a special two-parter with Maurice Bailey and Dr. Nick Hainan on Sapelo Island, a barrier island 60 miles south of Savannah, Georgia's coast. The 12-mile island is home to the last intact Gullah Geechee community in the Sea Islands of Georgia and is comprised of direct descendants of slaves that were brought here in 1802. I hope this all works. Uh, some people wasn't keen on the idea of, of bringing indigo back or doing indigo because of the history of it. But we're hoping to show them that now we can actually make money off of it. Instead of looking at it as a negative thing now, it's going to be a positive spin. Now here's a short recap. In the first episode, we learned that the Sapelo Island Cultural Revitalization Society is bringing back red peas, sugarcane, and a miracle herb called Life Everlasting. But that's not all. They're also reintroducing indigo as a potential cash crop. So, hope with this successful trial we do right here, we could gain the support of more people with this project on the island. We are with Maurice and Dr. Nick as they attempt to make indigo dye for the very first time. While indigo is used for tea, taken to help support your immune system, it is most commonly known as a dye for both hair and fabrics. Dr. Nick and Maurice have a plan. I think our plan is to develop uh, market uh, capacity through niche textile artists. A lot of folks interested in kind of bringing back uh, more craft, dyeing, and I think with the Sapelo history and Sycars uh, backing it, I just feel like a lot of folks would be very interested. We've already started to see a lot of interest in, in it, so. Growing red peas, sugarcane, and life everlasting is pretty straightforward, but growing and processing indigo seems different. How did this come about? A woman named Donna Hardy, who is the president of the International Center for Indigo Culture, uh, started talking with Maurice and I, along with a woman named Gareth Crosby, who is in charge of the Heritage Garden at the Botanical Garden for the state of Georgia. Um, and we started having a conversation that really went back to his mother who wanted to, to have indigo be one of the, the crops that Sycars brought back. It came up strong uh, last, last year when we planted the, the first batch, um, but we didn't know how to process it properly. And we weren't prepared. And so this off season, we've worked with Donna 
to get all the other materials necessary. And so as, as you'll see here in a little bit, we started, uh, we did, did a cut in from the top and um, are processing it over his house right now. Large buckets or vats, whisks, lime, muslin, water. They're simple materials, but they all have specific functions in the process. Now let's follow along as Dr. Nick and Maurice try this out for the very first time. Uh, we are doing our first experimental processing of sapelo grown indigo. So we just cut all of this Wednesday morning uh, from that stand. We had this soaking for two days. Um, just got to wait for the fermentation time. It depends on the temperature. Uh, look for the, the layer on top and look for the bubbles. Then we know it's time to screen it and go to the next step. Uh, and so we're pouring out the vegetation to get to the core liquid. It's been sitting for two days, heating up, uh, starting the fermentation process. It is pungent. Yeah, it is. The very first time we've ever done this is happening right now. We have been talking about this for five years. So after growing the first patch last year and figuring out the process, kind of got everything together, this is it, so. Let's stop a minute and recognize the work they have put into this project. Five years. Five years is how long it took to make this experiment happen. That is 1,825 days. That is longer than you were in high school. Yeah. I like that, yeah. So with one patch of indigo to process, how much dye can be made out of it? Because it sure doesn't look like much. It's, it doesn't look very concentrated. Yeah. And this is our first time. It doesn't look very concentrated. So I imagine once it's dry, we might, we don't know how much dye we're going to get, but other than this, it won't be much. Yeah, it, it, it evaporated a lot out. So we'll get back to just essentially the, the grain, the granular uh, pigment in a dust form is, is ultimately the dye. So, so if you got to selling, it would be a very small unit yeah. uh, size that we would probably sell. I mean, they sell them at all kinds of different industrial sizes, but they're you know mass producing with machines and factories. So, so if this goes well, how far down the road do you see this becoming something that's, that's viable for you? Next year, if, yeah. if, if this works, we got enough seeds, enough land that we could produce enough indigo next year to start take to market. Yeah. It seems to me that they are on the path to a new market product, Georgia-grown indigo. In the race, see who gets. So the, the point of this is that uh, we aerate the liquid until it turns brown. And what is aeration? Well, a quick search on the Google machine says it is the process by which air is circulated through, mixed with or dissolved in a liquid or substance. During this portion of the indigo dye-making process, you whisk the vat for 10 to 15 minutes until the froth turns blue. And then brown, meaning it has enough oxygen. Okay, back to Maurice and Dr. Nick. And then we add the, the lime, uh, pickling lime, to uh, get the pH up to 11 is what it has to be to go into its next phase. All right, pour number one of seven. A 15. Okay. That's two. Yeah. Okay. 
so we, we should keep note of. Yeah, we should do a pH reading first. Yeah. And then real slowly add, so I guess we probably need a spoon. And how much we have spoon. here yeah, also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got like 12 quarts, which you, yeah. you got here. Yeah. So. Tell me what you're doing now. We are. Testing the PA and see how much line we need to add to it. And I don't see any really right major now, coloration. It looks like six. Wait, I'm gonna change it. Mm -hmm. What does the lime do? The, the acidic, increasing the acidity uh, is central to the chemical process of making the dye uh, come out of the pigment and kind of locks down that color. There's a lot happening that you can't see, so allow me to break this down. First, they cut the indigo and let it soak for two days to ferment. Second, Dr. Nick and Marie strain out the vegetation by pouring out the buckets through a strainer. Next, they aerate the liquid until it turns brown, meaning it has enough oxygen. Finally, they add lime to get the pH to 11, which is important because it affects the color of the indigo. This is the step we're on now. So, yeah, so did the instruction come with how long you stir? No. Gradually. Gradually, yeah. <laughs> I was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, this is probably good, right? So it's just gonna be based on what color we actually trying to achieve. So we can yeah. go darker, yeah. But I keep mean, a consistency. No, we can't go darker because if it goes darker, then it has a pH above 11. So we got to keep it on this side. Yeah, but the pH just means a darker dye. But looking for that perfect. Yeah, dye. we want the perfect dye. Yeah. Okay. But it seems like we could add a whole bunch more. But I said let's try it again. Let's do it again. Okay. Let's put some in there. Okay. Let this rest. Mm-hmm. And we, we test again. All right. Yeah. We'll do a quarter cup in this one. Okay, let's see what we That's add. the lime, right? Yeah. So, they have added the lime. And I bet you're wondering how they know what color is the right color. Well, it depends on the person. One may say it is a color between blue and violet. Merriam-Webster says indigo is a deep reddish blue. Let's now see what it is for Maurice and Dr. Nick. Yeah, that, it's that hink blue, yeah. For the walls evil spirits. Haint blue. Ever heard of it? Me neither. But Wikipedia says that haint blue is a collection of pale shades of blue-green that are traditionally used to paint porch ceilings in the southern United States. Now originally haint blue was thought by the Gullah to ward haints, or ghosts, away from the home. The tactic was intended to either mimic the appearance of the sky, tricking the ghosts into passing through, or to mimic the appearance of water, which ghosts traditionally could not cross. The Gola would paint not only the porch, but also doors, window frames, and shutters. Okay, back to the process. I mean, we got this much liquid, a little bit of plant that we harvest, and we can do it twice a year per plant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna see how much we actually get out of all this liquid, how much yeah. dye actually come around. Right. Then we can base on how much we can yield by how much we got from these yeah. 24 quarts of liquid. And What's the next step? Next step is that we screen the liquid through muslin to strain out all the particles that we can. 
when they screen liquid through the muslin cotton fabric, it helps to remove the extra leaves and particles that are left behind. We are transferring it, so as we do the final screening, we have it in this clear one so we can have more visual of it, we can see it. Um, that way we, we can see the clarity of it, uh, see the color of it, compared the, to being in this white. The bucket. settling of the, 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 the pigment. The pigments. Yeah. Now that we are at the end of the first Indigo experiment for Maurice and Dr. Nick, let's see if they think it was a success. Now I'm very pleased to see the color, so I think it's a uh, success for us, being amateurs. Not for long. Mad no, scientists. Not for long. Next year we're gonna have this down pat. The light coming off on, on it is just is just like straight up indigo. Yeah. Like the, the definition of indigo, which it should be. So mm -hmm. I share Maurice's uh, feeling of success. Yeah. Georgia grown indigo. From a green plant to a blue dye, all natural. Yep, from a green plant to a blue dye. That's Georgia-grown indigo from Sapelo Island. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, there's plenty more content just like it. You can watch A Fork in the Road on GPB TV or anytime on the gpb.org website. gpb.org slash podcast is where you can listen to and subscribe to this podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. I'm David Zelski. Thanks for listening to A Fork in the Road.